Yeah! At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Hey guys, so really quick before the podcast gets started, I wanted to come on and say a huge thank you to Sean and the In the Red Clay crew. Uh, super appreciate those guys for what they've done, and uh, I really advise everybody to go check it out. Super good podcast. Um, I want to apologize. At about the 12 to 15-ish minute mark, there are some audio issues. It wasn't any fault of Sean's uh, or my own. Um, I think actually you would, you guys could actually notice I have a new microphone. Um, but the, the software we were using was kind of shit tonight. Um, sometimes it's kind of like a risk you take when you use, uh, some of these software sites and whatnot. Anyway, so, um, I apologize for that. It's only about two minutes audio got kind of fucked up. Um, nothing super, super major. Uh, it actually improves as the podcast goes on. Uh, so I encourage everybody to stick it out. Um, once again, yo, hit the link in our bio and go to our link tree and you can see the phone soap link, future kimonos, quick sesh game up. We're also sponsored by Adidas now. So go to the link in the bio and, uh, get yourself some new ultra boosts, uh, or get some of that three stripe action in your life. Also use the phone number. It's 502-694-0749. Call that number, uh, rant about your day, ask advice, give random pieces of advice. Uh, or just ask questions, you know, whatever. Uh, anyways, thank you all for everything you guys have done. 2020 has been a super good year for the podcast, and uh, yeah, I super appreciate it, guys. Thanks. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Takedown. As always, brought to you by PhoneSoap.com. Go to PhoneSoap and use the code TAKEDOWN, T-A-K-E-D-O-W-N, for 20% off. Uh, I am super fucking pumped about today's guest. If you guys have been listening to the uh, the podcast, you know I've been talking about this podcast called In the Red Clay. Uh, I've talked about it on this podcast. I've talked about it on my brother's podcast. Um, well, I have the initial creator of it, Sean Kipe, joining me today. Sean, what is up, bud? What's going on, man? Dude, I've been talking about your podcast. I, I talk about your <laughs> podcast more than I talk about my own, I think. That's a, that's a little problem, but I um, that's flattering. <laughs> no, man, I fell in love with it. And I was telling you earlier, man, like I wasn't a huge true crime fan until I found In the Red Clay. So like, kudos to you, my man. Thanks, man. It, it's weird to hear you say that because I think, you know, I've found that, that that's, I don't want to say common right now to hear that kind of statement, but um, a lot of people that, We'll say, you know, I've never listened to a podcast before, or um, I'm not really usually into true crime, but there's something about this story that that I couldn't stop listening to it, and I want to hear more. So, I, you know, it uh, it definitely something like something within your podcast like resonated with me. And first off, I want to say the production value, imperative, uh, absolutely knocked it out of the park because the the overall production of it is absolutely phenomenal, man. Um, but just the yeah, story, thanks, man. man, like. The story, like a, a, a guy, it's essentially like a guy's ultimate tribute to his father. Like, I just, I really dig that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's why a lot of people that have um, gravitated to it, um, you know, it, it's it's kind of turned into the story. I mean, you know, when I first met Stoney and I immediately knew there was something there, I just was like, you know, you meet this guy, he's larger than life. You can't help but be enamored with him i mean he's he's entertaining he's charming he's he's this larger than life guy and uh you know i I thought well there's a story here i mean and the more i got to know him and the more i got to talk to him and sort of break him down and and earn his trust gain his trust i started to see that there was the real story was yeah his love for his father and trying to come to grips with you know who his father really was and I, th- I think that's anybody. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's something that has um, the people have gotten it, you know. Yeah, I as a as a guy who you know, my father's been passed for a couple of years now. But for me, like, that's what like I was interested in in Billy Sunday, Bert, and I was interested in the Georgia Dixie Mafia. But I think what really got me was like the actual father son uh, like story being told. Um, and for anyone that, that isn't familiar with the podcast, if you've been living under a fucking rock, uh, in the red clay is about 
this man, his name is Billy Sunday Burt, and his connection uh, with the the Georgia Dixie Mafia, and it's being retold by Sean and uh, Billy Sunday Burt's son, uh, Billy Stonewall Burt uh, or Stony. Uh, if you've not if you've not listened to it, uh, you're on Apple. Where 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 are you at? Right now, everywhere, I think. Um, I mean, I've lost count. You know, obviously the big ones, Apple and Spotify and uh, iHeartRadio and Stitcher and, um, you know, all those major. But I've seen it on podcast platforms that I never even knew existed. Um, You guys have merch coming out? That'd be be the move for Christmas. You know, it's crazy that, like, I was joking at the beginning of this when I first did this deal with Imperative and I was talking to the other executive producer jason hoke and i i I was kind of joking with him i was like dude i'm taking this thing all the way like this is such a great story i'm gonna be selling fucking dixie mafia lunch boxes you know (laughs) and like and and so now this thing has come out and like no shit a couple days ago uh i started getting you know as we get close uh, closer to the holidays i started getting emails and like Instagram messages for people asking like, do you have somebody was like, do you have like a little, little shovel within the red clay on it or something like that's fucking brilliant. I don't have it, but I should. Yo, that's the kind of shit you fucking frame on your wall, dude. Like that's badass. I want to see, you know, look, man, I mean, I I don't, I'm not a huge podcast guy. I mean, I've listened to them, um, you know, in the red clay was my first podcast that I did. I don't know, like this to me, yeah, movies have merch, have memorabilia uh, to podcasts. I don't know. So it was a different, it's a different world for me to think that people want to buy something because of a podcast. Dude, you know I what I mean? Almost, I can almost guarantee that uh, Rock Solid in Winder, Georgia is probably blowing the fuck up these days. It is, man. I talked to Stoney today, earlier today, actually. And, um, you know, he built this place and, and uh, finished it and open to the public maybe like a week or two, a couple weeks before the podcast actually aired, um, which was all just coincidence really. And uh, he actually has now knocked a wall down and had to move the bar back another 20 feet so that he could fit more people uh, into, into the place. So it's phenomenal. I'm so happy for him. I mean, it's, it's really, there's people been coming from all over the country People are calling to to make appointments so that they can come in and meet him and, and just talk to him. And they, they're coming in from, you know, out west and, you know, Louisiana and just all over the place. And they want to make sure he's going to be there so they can, you know, sit and, you know, get a taste of all that is Stony Burt. That's awesome. You know, what's really cool? you know what's really cool is like you see a lot of celebrities that are like really shit people. But like this is a guy who's like as genuine as they come. And like he did, de- like he deserves all of the success that he gets. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm happy for him. I mean, uh, you know, he's had a he's had a unique life to say the least. And um, you know, there's a I think the last episode I actually kind of talk about it for a minute where I sort of step back and say, you know, God, I can't imagine growing up the way this dude did. And when you really when you look back on that whole story and and all the things that aren't in the podcast even that we just couldn't fit. I mean, it's, it's, it's a feat just to make it through that uh, alive, let alone be a good guy with a family that, you know, you're providing for. And, uh, it's pretty remarkable, honestly, you know, love him or hate him. He's a, he's a a good hearted man. So I'm, I'm happy that this has turned out well for him. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And I, after, like I said, I, I binged the entire thing, man. And, Afterwards, I'm I'm very glad that he is now, uh, like getting this this recognition. He's getting this bit of success and this bit of fame, and I'm glad that they they inducted Billy Sunday Burt into uh, what is the the Moonshine Running uh, Hall of yeah, Fame, or, the Whiskey or, Car or, Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah, which was a complete that's, surprise. That's... <laughs> it was. Oh, you you guys had no idea. No idea. No idea. Um, I interviewed a man. Uh, named Gordon Perkle, who uh, was in episode one of the show, and he kind of is a moonshine historian. He was a moonshiner and a bootlegger. Um, he was arrested, I think, 34 times for making and running moonshine 
in his career. Um, so, you know, the guy knows what he's talking about and he became the curator of this. It's kind of like the pre NASCAR era, you know, moonshine runners, uh, race cars and stuff, uh, in Dawsonville, Georgia. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Stoney introduced me to him. And the next thing you know, as this, you know, I think, um, just a, a bit before the final episode was, was done, he was like, called me all excited and said, yeah, they're inducting my dad into the moonshine. You know, it was crazy. Never would have thought yeah, that would happen. So let's let's kind of back up for just a moment. Um, how this story came about? You were in Winder, Georgia, or you were in Georgia, right? You weren't in Winder uh, working for HBO, were you? Yeah, no, I was in Winder. Um, I was working on a show uh, for HBO called The Outsider, and. Uh, we were filming in Winder and we kind of had to shut down the, the main intersection of town, which, you know, Winder's small. So the main intersection of downtown is downtown. It's, it's a crossroads basically. That's the whole and, town uh, out there. Yeah. I mean, it's the, the center of the town is, is an intersection. Um, and it kind of builds out from there about two blocks in each direction. And then you're, you're sort of in the suburbs, you know, in the country. Um, so, you know, to do that, you're, you're really disrupting this little town. And, and, you know, I was sent up there to just kind of meet everybody and smooth things over. And, you know, if we're going to be interrupting somebody's business, throw them some cash and make friends, you know? Um, and that's how I met Stoney. I just kind of knocking on doors and, you know, I had heard about him. I had no idea who he was or where his, his place was. But, you know, he answered the door and I was like, that, dude, this has got to be the guy. <laughs> He's got to be the guy. It was just super, super organic and super, like, by chance then. Like, like almost like fate kind of, like, brought you guys together. Yeah, yeah. He's actually um, – he's mentioned that several times. You know, Stoney's a I – don't, I don't know that I'd say he's a religious man, but, but he is at the same time. And, uh, spiritual. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and he is, I think he's gotten a new lease on life and, and maybe even a religion through this whole process of telling the story. But, um, you know, he's mentioned that to me several times and he's like, Sean, you know, I, as he says, Sean, you know, (laughs) I think, uh, I think that we were meant to meet. So maybe that's that's badass, dude. I, I literally can't get over that. Um, what was it like going through and like interviewing people in the town, man? Like, like were people almost apprehensive about doing it or, you know, cause I'm, I'm from like a really small town. And like, I tried to think like, like if people went back to like Damascus, Virginia and tried interviewing them about something that happened, you know, 30, 40 plus years ago, like they'd be almost apprehensive to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there was for sure. I mean, I, I, I think it was half and half. There were, some people who, you know, number one, like I had to kind of go through Stony or get an introduction or, you know, have Stony vouch for me and say, no, he's, he's good. You know, you can trust him. I, I've given him my blessing kind of thing. And then they would talk to me. <clears throat> um, like fucking like gang shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's a pretty protected story. Um, you know, and Stony's the, the guy in that area who, you know, it was his dad. Um, so it was like, nobody was going to talk about it unless they kind of had Stoney's blessing. Um, and, uh, but there were, there were people that wouldn't talk to me and, and, uh, flat out said, you know, I don't want to, one older gentleman said, uh, yeah, hell no, I'm not going to talk to him. Uh, I don't want to end up in, in the river with cement blocks, you know, and it's, and that would, you know, like that's not going to happen, but it's so impressed on some of these people that are older and lived through that time. Uh, that it still sticks with them 50 years later. It's crazy. Yeah, that's 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 incredible. The yeah, no, I mean, still, uh, it, it was real. You know what I mean? Yeah, like they're, that, almost, they're almost intimidated by this. Yeah, yeah. But, How much uh, time did you end up spending in Wander? Oh man, um, anytime you visit with Stony, uh, it, it's not a quick visit, uh, <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. You know, I, I'd go up and say, yeah, I just want to get a couple, you know, I got a couple questions, you know, something I missed last time I was with you and, you know, six hours later, um, and like 
four and a half hours of audio tape later, you know, um, it took me a year and a half to do this. And I was in Winder. I mean, sometimes I was up there every other week and I'd spend, I'd spend like an entire Saturday or an entire Sunday with Stoney. Um, I was really so- curious. I was really curious. Like, did you carry like a um, like an audio to, like an audio recorder with you, or like did you do it off your phone? Like, no, I carried an audio recorder, um, and I would have you know lapel mics and stuff. And and uh, when I sit with Stony, I you know have video cameras, so I have uh, a video uh, of a lot of people, almost all the people that I interviewed, um, because you know a lot of these people are getting older, and that was kind of more for prosperity uh prosperity um prosperity um <laughs> you know because if they're not around in three years and somebody says yeah we want to make a, a documentary and i go oh well, i've got all these people interviewed and they're on camera um that might never come about again you know i mean you're talking some of these people are are 80s or early 90s so um yeah i recorded everything that i have I don't even know. I mean, I've got probably 60 hours of, uh, of audio recording, um, probably for almost 30 or something of that is just stony. Holy shit. Yeah. That's it's tons. Man. Yeah. It, well, That's part of the reason man. it's part of the reason it took so long to do this story was because there is just so much, there's so much more to Billy Burt's story. There's so many crazy things that he did um, that we just couldn't fit in, or it would be like, in order for people to be able to follow it, um, you had to just kind of pick a few people and a few story points and follow those, you know, cause it would just be too many characters and, and you, you would be like, what, who is that guy? <laughs> yeah. I, any, like, so while I was listening, uh, cause I, I do a majority of the listening, like in the car. And as I'm riding, like it literally, like it feels like I can see this place and I can see these people. Um, and I was, I was thinking, I was like, man, they probably have so much like behind the scenes stuff. Like they could probably make an entire, like a, a new season of this just on that stuff alone. Like, cause this, this was a very complex, uh, like a very long drawn out complex story, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was originally supposed to be 10 episodes. Um, and probably around when you know I was putting together the rough rough cuts, um, I guess it was around like episode five or six. And we, you know, we're, I'm sitting there and I kind of we would have these meetings and I'm like, dude, there's so much. Oh, and don't forget about that. Oh, and this. Oh, and there's this. We got to talk about this. And then you know it, it became obvious pretty quickly that we were going to need to do more episodes, and we could have done more. I mean, like I said, there's there's a ton, but it was like we had no idea this was going to be kind of what it's turned into. So, you know, I do have plenty. I have enough to do another season at least um, just with what I have recorded now. But, you know, I, I feel like the story that that we told is a really good story and it really comes full circle. I don't know that doing another season would really just, you know, would, yeah, what, do what are you going to gain from it? Maybe. I'm not saying no, never, but. I feel like the only way to go from this story would be to do like an actual visual counterpart because the podcast alone, it gives you a story, essentially like a conflict, and then it gives you like ultimately like a resolve at the end. You know what I mean? Like yeah. um, outside of like like the body being found or like, uh, like Billy Wayne Davis's story outside of this, like, like truthfully, like it, it kind of did come full circle. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, I, even that, again, that changed, um, as, as I was doing this over that year and a half, I, you know, I started out thinking this story was going to go one place and it started going another, um, completely organically. Like, you know, I, I think episode five is where the first time that I'm, have a conversation with Stoney and he, you see this change in him. Um, you know, and I played an interview with, uh, Richard Horde about his father, who was a DA, you know, that was murdered with, uh, his car was dynamited. 
and and it's this just heartbreaking recount of him being 14 years old and you know being there when it happened to his father and trying to save his life and i and i played that for stony and i just wanted to see what his reaction was and it changed everything you know um the whole story the whole dynamic of the story changed it just pivoted from there and that happened again when we met the flemings uh relative so ultimately um the cliff parks being being part of the murder of richard horde kind of did change the actual dynamic of uh i guess billy sunday burt's life too in a way you know what i mean so it's it's interesting that like like if that hadn't happened would the georgia dixie mafia have have been started um like in the same way that it was you know like you know what i'm saying yeah i don't know i mean i don't think it would have been necess- necessarily been started the same way um it probably still in some fashion would have been started anyway, just because, you know, how long can you, you know, once you, once you kind of accept that life of crime, um, you're not going to, yeah. And you start making easy money and it's like, look, if I rob a bank and I made $40,000, you know, back then is a ton of money. Um, you know, why would I want to go to work now? I mean, that, that's one of the things that he says early on after the first time, first time he got, uh, robs a gambling house under underground gambling house and he just said you know i made more money in one night than i could make in six months like in, and i did it in an hour like what kind of fool does that why would i go back to work you know yeah, so this, this would have happened anyway i said the same thing i was like yo dude if i was knocking <laughs> over, if i was knocking down banks and like robbing people no i wouldn't work hell no nah. uh yeah it is, i mean it is very interesting that that kind of changed the story though you know what i mean yeah. Um, you know, all these guys, I think, were interconnected in, in one way or another. Uh, they probably all knew each other. They certainly knew of each other. They probably dealt business with each other, at least in whiskey. Um, you know, and, and look, if if, uh, if none of that would have, you know, if that <sighs> Floyd Horde wouldn't have been murdered, like that that was pretty much the direct cause of the formation of the dixie mafia and you know otherwise billy burt might have still been working at a potato chip factory <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. all the, all those little things that happened changed a lot of lives um let me ask, for, for the worse let me ask you something kind of personal um you know you you spoke a moment ago of meeting with the flemings and this story as captivating as it is, people have to have to remember this is this is an entirely true story, right? And yeah, you yeah. you yourself have kind of been submerged in it. What kind of mental toll did that kind of take on you? Uh, not only just meeting with the Flemings, but just being surrounded by this story, and this story kind of became your job. And and you know you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I'd say that it took a toll necessarily like it it didn't get me into any kind of a depression or a, a a dark place necessarily but i did notice you know that this was all i thought about um you know i'd go and i'd spend eight or ten hours with stony talking about this stuff and you're really deep into it and you know there's times where stony would get emotional and it's a heavy heavy stuff that we were talking about you know you see this is a 60 year old man. Um, you know, this is a gangster and here he is breaking down and sobbing in front of you. It's tough to watch that. Um, you know, that that's, you can't help but feel that emotion too. So I kind of carried that home with me a lot. And then now I've got to dump all this into my computer and go through and listen to all this again and try to put an episode together and write a script. And, you know, so yeah, it was, you know, meeting the Flemings, like I never thought that would happen. That was completely out of the blue last minute thing. I mean, that was right before we were finished the podcast that I, that I got contacted by them. And they set uh, that up through, through Instagram, you said, yeah, you know, there's a, we have an Instagram account for, um, in the red clay. Uh, I think it's at in the red clay podcast. Um, and yeah, they just wrote in, uh, Cindy, a woman named Cindy, she wrote in and said, Hey, look, um, 
that's my family and I'm, <laughs> I'd like to talk to you about it. We kind of feel like maybe Billy Burt didn't do this after listening to the podcast. Um, so, but yeah, being a part of that with, you know, if you, if you listen to the podcast, you know how emotional that was for all of them. I mean, there was like seven people there and everybody was, you know, on number 12, uh, you know, on the emotional scale. And here I am like with a recorder, you know, like, you know, it was a little, but it was awesome. You know, it was, it was a really amazing thing to be a part of. Can I just say, I don't mean to, I don't mean to keep blowing smoke in your ass, but the fact that you even said on camera, like you didn't feel like comfortable uh, necessarily re recording part of that conversation. So they could have that closure. Kudos to you, man. That was, you know, phenomenal. And I, I actually smiled whenever you said that. Cause I was like, that was, that's badass. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think if, you know, if you were there in the room, uh, they all knew that this was for a podcast and they were all happy about it. They wanted the story to be told. Um, and it was, it was a good thing for all of them. It was, you know, closure for all of them, uh, to some extent. Uh, but you know, when you're in this room, I mean, it was heavy and it was like, all right, you know what? I kind of should dip out and let these guys cry together and laugh together and kind of talk without somebody with a, you know, with a recorder. Uh, sticking it in their face or, you know, having a microphone hooked up to them. Uh, was it always just you with the recorder? Or did anybody from Imperative, uh, like, stay in the town as well and, and kind of help you with this? Or was it kind of like a one-man job? Uh, I mean, for the most, it was just me. Um, our executive producer, Jason Hoke, um, did come by. He met Stoney several times. Um, he's also the story editor. So we worked closely with like whittling down this massive story into what you heard in the podcast. And, um, uh, sorry, man, my, my dog's barking here. Oh, no, you're fine. Uh, um, but, uh, yeah. So, you know, he was a huge help, very talented guy. He's, he's done, a, he's doing a lot of other projects with imperative. He's done a lot of projects in, in the past. So it was good to have him as a sort of guiding hand, um, in this, but yeah, for the most part, dude, it was me and I'd come home and I'd write a script and I'd put all this together, get a rough episode together, right? You know, I wrote the music score. So I'd put all this together and then I'd send it off to him and, uh, and I'd say, what do you think? <laughs> you know, it was a ton of work. I heard you say a couple times on the podcast that you wrote the musical score and then you just mentioned it again. Are you, are you very musically inclined? Yeah, that's actually, uh, you know, I'm, that's what I did for a living for a long time. I was, uh, you know, I lived in Los Angeles for a long time and, you know, I was a professional musician, uh, toured and put records out and so I did my research on you. I just, I just had to find a way to ask that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's fucking cool, man. Did you, uh, did you enjoy scoring this or, or was it one of those things where like you'd done so much, like it was just kind of one of those other things you just had to do? You know, I did enjoy it. It was a ton of extra work, um, <laughs> that I brought on myself, you know what I mean? But, uh, it was, it was the first thing I've ever scored. Uh, you know, I've, I've had music that's been in TV shows, commercials and stuff like that. And you write something that's kind of for a commercial, but it's not for a specific moment in a story or has to have a certain feeling for, you know, a, a certain part of a story. So that was, that was the first time I'd ever done that, but I had fun doing it. I did, man. I love playing music. You know, it's, it's good to be recording and writing and, and doing all that stuff. And, and I don't, you know, somebody mentioned to me before, they're like, dude, you know, I don't think anybody could have done the soundtrack to that story quite like you did because you just were like immersed in all of it. And I thought about that. It's probably true to a degree. The, the score definitely helped set the, the scenes. And I, I, I mean, it's hard to say, but if it was to be anything different than like what it turned out to be, like, I, I don't feel like the story would have been the same. You, you understand what I'm saying? Like music has such a, um, it has such a, a great ability to change the entire mood of something. And I feel like you really captured that really well. Um, Thanks, like, man. With, with, the, with the score. Yeah. It, man, overall, like it was, it's a masterpiece, man. And I've seen you guys have been on a bunch of fucking top tens and like, 
Like it, it's definitely deserving, man. Like it's it's so crazy. Like I binged it super quick, so like I feel like I was kind of ahead of the curve, like more so than anybody else. Um, yeah. But now, like seeing it get recognition, I'm like, oh hell yeah, dude, those guys deserve it. Uh, I really appreciate that, man. I, it's you know hearing that stuff. Um, it does mean a lot. Like I say, I went into this. This is my first the first podcast I've ever done. I've been in entertainment and music and film and TV for 20 years, uh, just about. Um, so I've been around story making and, uh, you know, but this, this was different. And when I first met with imperative, um, you know, Jason Hoke said to me, um, dude, you should, uh, you should narrate this. <laughs> I was like, you sure? Really? Like, you know, I've never done this, right? <laughs> you wouldn't and you'll quite... pay me? Oh, hell yeah, dude. The second you start well, getting those checks, dude, shit. Well, listen, you know, it's like, dude, have you ever, you know, like, uh, I don't know, have you ever recorded your voice on like a little recorder? Oh, dude, and I you, hate and my you, voice. Everybody does. You listen back and you're like, oh, God, is that what I sound like? And I, and that was the first thing I thought. I was like, Jesus, have you heard me talk? We, we're talking now. You want... Um, so I was a little, I was a little like apprehensive and I just said, eh, fuck it, man. I mean, you know, I, I, almost wish that, I almost wish that I could write the, like the script and like write jokes and just have somebody else fucking talk on my podcast for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I guess you could, this wouldn't be your podcast then. No, they, it, podcasting's weird, man. Have you, have you done a lot of media? Like since the, since the podcast has came out, like have you done a bunch of media? Um, yes and no. And I wouldn't say a ton. Um, you know, we've had some events and, you know, I've got a couple of things lined up actually next week. Um, it's, it's weird. This is, I, I don't know if I expected more or expected less. This, this whole, the reaction to this show is, is kind of taken me by surprise. And I think a lot of other people too. I think people, like you said, it's been on top 10 lists and, and, uh, featured here and there uh but i i don't it's it's about the dixie mafia and when you see the you know when you see the reviews and you read the reviews on apple and it's like here this story is about this guy who killed over 50 people and all of these people are writing reviews going oh what a beautiful story yes <laughs> it's like i don't know that people know what to really make of it sometimes until they hear it you know i i will definitely say that when i heard the um like when i heard the uh i guess like the elevator pitch for it because so essentially what happened was my brother and i have another podcast called the weekly forecast and it's like a once weekly podcast so every week we kind of bring up uh, different topics for each other to kind of like blind react to and he brought up in the red clay to me to to blind react to and initially when i first heard the plot line um i was like oh it it's cool you know whatever um dude i tried that first episode and it was on though i mean it was it's very good but i feel like and i'm not like a really hardcore true crime like fan and like i resonated with it on some level so i feel like you know i've I've been seeing all these top 10 lists and and it's been featured here and it's been featured there um like i feel like everybody else is kind of doing the same thing like they're resonating with some part of this story because it is so fucking captivating you, like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I think so much of it, like, you know, I think it takes a couple episodes usually for people to get sucked into a show. And that's, I think that's true with anything like a TV series. Most times people aren't hooked on the first 30 minutes. Like, it's just not, you know, sometimes, but it takes a couple episodes and you, you start developing, like, feelings for the characters or you start relating to some of the characters in one way or another. I think that's what's happening. And it's weird to say that the main character of this, or one of the main characters is, like I said, is a murderer. And to know that people are, are finding something they might have in common with this guy or that they respect about. I think that is what makes people keep listening because that's, it's kind of confusing to, to the listener, <laughs> if that makes sense. You ever read about those women that uh, they like fall in love with like death row inmates or like the lifers? You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, yeah. I feel like that's kind of like what this is. Like we're falling in love with the story about a guy like the antihero. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's. I mean, I don't know. I think there's a bigger 
theme in all of it. Like I said, that people, if if you have an open mind at all, you you get it pretty quickly. That um, you nobody's glorifying somebody who murdered people. And there's a couple people who have said that. And I see posts online there. Don't, don't make it out. This guy wasn't a great guy. He killed a lot of people. Yeah, no shit. I mean, that's that's the obvious thing. Of course not. Um, but that doesn't mean that he wasn't human. That doesn't mean that he didn't have you know his life affected other Family people in different ways. Yeah, yeah, and that's what's important. And I think that's what this story is about. It's you know when somebody murders that many people uh, and does all the things that he does. It's like very rarely do you really get it up close um reaction from victims and from family um that's really open and candid well it, it was very it almost felt personal at times too um i guess maybe maybe the style of the podcast or maybe just the way that you guys done it but it felt really personal and it felt like like you really get this backseat view of like how things were in his life and how things affected stony and and so on and so forth and um it, man it, Overall, I mean, it's phenomenal. I cannot gush enough about it. If for anybody listening, go fucking check it out. Like for real. Yeah. If you don't like it, if you don't like it, I swear I'll send you like a free T-shirt to make up for for the time that you lose. Like I don't, I don't know. It's good. It's good. See, man. you're you're nicer than I was gonna say. I'd refund their money, but I mean, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> at least if I send them, at least if I send them a shirt, then they're wearing like my podcast. You know exactly. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No. Hey, I mean, how about- I. I, yeah, I hope people I hope people check it out. Um you know, obviously I do, but I think that anybody who's on the fence or it's like, you know, listen to an episode or two and kind of go into it with a little bit of an open mind, knowing that it's not just glamorizing somebody who's a murderer. Um, because that's really you're missing the point if that's what you get out of it. You said that this was your first podcast. Do you think that you're like, would you feel comfortable doing another one after this? Or was this kind of like a, maybe like a one-off thing for you? I don't think I have a choice, man. Um, <laughs> you kind of sucked <laughs> into it now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I've got some, some other, um, other things in the works right now. And, uh, that I'm actually pretty excited about, I, you know, I loved doing this. I, it was, a, like I said, it was a lot of work. It was, a, it took a long time, it took a lot of hours of my life, a lot of, you know, late nights, uh, some stress, but I loved it. I really did. And now that I'm on the other side of it, seeing how it affects people, I, you know, it's like anything else. Like when I you know, put music out, um, when you see the reaction people have and the connection they make to, to your art, um, it makes all that hard work worth it. So that's kind of a, that feeling is kind of like a drug, you know, you want it again. And you're willing to go through the <laughs> through all the work to to get there again. So yeah, makes it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's that's exactly what it's like with it. like when you put out something like this. Like it feels like um, it feels like a child almost. Like you're putting out like a piece of you to the world to to view. Even though you're telling like somebody else's story, or sometimes like like I'm just on here just fucking telling jokes and and talking uh, like MMA. Sometimes you know what I'm saying. Like it's still, yeah it's a personal piece of you and it's 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 scary to share dude like did you have any like were you were you nervous before the first episode dropped uh i don't i don't think i was nervous i wouldn't say that um yeah that little anxious feeling of like god i hope people like this (laughs) you know or i hope they get what i was going for dude i still Um, get that feeling (laughs) Yeah, you know, I mean, I think I think you will with any anything you ever put out to the public because it's, you know, it's kind of a you're, you're kind of naked, um, putting yourself out there, um, especially something you poured a lot of yourself into. So I wasn't nervous, but of course I was like, shit, man, I hope people people dig this. How much time I've wasted a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> How much time actually went into this, like from start to to finish? Like, what was the timeline like? Well, uh, I met Stoney in like early March of 2019 and I finished the last episode after the show had already started airing, which was at the end of August, uh, of this year. So, I mean, it was, it was a year and a half. It was just about 18 months, uh, on, on the nose. 
And that's from starting to actually releasing the very last episode? No, that was that was uh, starting until I finished the last episode. Um, because I think I finished the last episode in... Oh, I don't even know. It was like September, maybe? Were you staying in Wander this entire time? Or you're going back and forth, uh, like home and then coming back? No, I, I would come back home. Yeah, I, I would drive. You know, Wander's about, I don't know, an hour and a half drive uh, on a good day, hour and 15 from my house. Um, so I'd drive out there and, and spend the day and just kind of, you know, like I said, Stony Stony's a ball of energy. So, um, <laughs> by the time you're done, it's like, man, I got to just sit in the car for an hour and a half and not talk and not hear anybody talk. <laughs> I mean, um, I, I completely forgot that you actually live in Georgia. I completely yeah. spaced for a moment. Yeah. Um, it's fucking cool though, man. That, like you're so close. You can essentially go back like anytime you want. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've been back. Um, we went to a little event that he had at his, at his uh, distillery recently. And it was a, uh, it was for the cold case, um, uh, cold case uh, foundation. I think that uh, Cheryl McCollum uh, is a part of. She was one of the guests that we had on the show, uh, crime scene investigator, and uh, works with Nancy Grace and, and stuff. Um, so we went up and we were kind of part of that. And uh, and I'm actually going to probably go up there maybe this weekend and just just say hey and see the see how things are going for him. Cause it's, it's really cool now to go back and see him and his family um, kind of enjoying the, the, the fruits of their labor, you know, building that distillery and kind of betting everything on it, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's cool. I mean, it's, it's something to be proud of too. Uh, that's a, that's a hard business to, to run. Like distilling well, your own liquor. <laughs> yeah, man, I guess, you know, they love it. So, you know, it's, it's not work in that respect it's it's something you love doing but uh it's, it's not easy <laughs> i know they spent a lot of time in that distillery man yeah yeah i don't i don't doubt it at all uh i'm gonna kind of take a step away from in the red clay for a moment and just kind of like ask about you what like what kind of tv or, or podcast were you into before this like are you a true crime fan i mean i am um i you know i don't like watch the id network or whatever um it's not really my thing. Like lifetime true crime <laughs> movies. Yeah. It's not, it's not my thing. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah not, I'm not a fan either. <laughs> yeah. Movies. I mean, and stuff that, uh, you know, I don't know the Sopranos or like breaking bad. That's not based on a true story, any of that stuff, but it's, it, you know, stuff like that happens. So it might as well be, uh, I dig stuff like that. Fargo, Ozark. Oh, Ozark's know. fucking badass, dude. Yeah. Well, and so Jason Bateman worked on uh, on The Outsiders too, didn't he? He did, yeah. Yeah, and I worked on the third season of Ozark for a little bit really? uh, early on. Yeah, and then once this podcast came along and it sort of engulfed me, um, you know, I quit my job <laughs> and, and just said, I'm going to do this full time. Hope it works out. Are you allowed to talk about what you got coming up or no? Is it is it kind of one of those things we can we can't teeter the line on <laughs> uh yeah not really not yet i don't i mean i don't want to i don't say i don't I don't want to say that it's that i'm not allowed i just i don't want to uh nothing nothing is uh final yet I, i've got a, a couple of things working that are really really big and and i don't want to jinx myself um i'll just say that i have you know two or three projects right now that i'm really 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 excited about and and i think that you know a couple of them could be very well on in the red clay's level of um an amazing story you heard it here very different you heard it here first sean kipe uh in the red clay shovels coming soon (laughs) (laughs) yeah 24.95 Fuck, dude! Send me three of them. In that yeah, case. I was gonna say I, I ought to check the prices on getting those made first. Yeah, uh, that's badass, man. Was it like was it weird? Like you on the banks of the Mulberry River, uh, essentially like looking for a body. Like, did you ever see yourself in that position? 
fuck no. Yeah. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> I mean, is, it those, is it one of those things like you got to shoot back like a couple glasses of whiskey and just be like, fuck it. Yeah, sure. There were just like times where you'd stop and kind of realize, like take a step back and go like, yeah, um, what am I doing, man? I mean, one day we were uh, out on the banks of the Mulberry and it was, you know, literally a hundred degrees. It was like 95% humidity. Um, we're back, you know, there's is briars and thorn bushes and stickers and bees and, you know, we're getting stung by bees and all kinds of stuff. So you got heavy shirts on and I mean, it was miserable, miserable. And you're like, what am I doing? Yeah. Did you ever have those moments where you just kind of had to like step away for a moment? Yeah, yeah, all the time. <laughs> all the time, man. I mean, you know, look, I lived and breathed this. I really did for, for a year and a half. I mean, um, there were absolutely times where I was like, Jesus, man, I just can't hear about killing anymore, you know, or you want to watch or, after that. Yeah, I mean, it was like, you know, I don't want to hear about, I just don't want to think about finding buried bodies or buried, I just, you know, and then it inevitably just creeps right back into your mind you'll be watching damn cartoons one day and you're like what if courage just murdered everybody yeah yeah it, you st- i started watching you know tv and you know, that would remind me of things that was happening in this story as it was playing out which was weird you know did it almost feel like it could be like like larger than life to the point where like like was there ever a point where you were like oh i don't believe this at all yeah, there were not that I discounted everything because pretty much immediately, you know, when I first met Stoney, the thing you have to realize is that he's not just a good storyteller. Um, he he's very genuine and he's he's a very um, straight shooter. You know that it's just that mentality in him, uh, especially when he considers you a friend. He just he won't lie to you. You know, that's something that he got from his dad and from that whole circle of people. It was this like code of, you know, like that gangster's code. Um, and he makes that obvious really quickly after meeting him. Um, there were definitely times where I was like, I don't know about that. Are you sure? Like I need to, and I, you know, and I'd look into it and I, he'd pull out an old newspaper clipping that he kept from 40 years ago and there it is it's just exactly like what he said this thing that was like you know i'd never believe this if i didn't see proof um you know he'd tell me oh my dad was baptized and taken off death row and was best friends with the sheriff and put him in jail and you're like what oh there's video (laughs) when i seen the photo i was like holy shit (laughs) like this is real Oh, yeah. And, and I mean, I think that's something that a lot of people, too, are like I, I somebody said that I saw a comment somewhere that said, you know, I never I wouldn't have believed this story. I would call bullshit on this whole thing if there wasn't video, you know, like you can't, you know, you really can't uh, deny that. Um, but, yeah, there are also, you know, a lot of the people that I met and interviewed um, that were there that knew his dad, that knew all these guys. I mean the ex-sheriffs, retired sheriffs and GBI agents and investigators, federal investigators, um, it vouched for everything he said. I mean, it's not just Stoney's like crazy stories and he's just enamored with his dad. And, you know, the, the biggest, the thing that I think pisses me off, I don't care if people don't like the show, they don't like it. It's not for everybody. Um, but if somebody says, oh, you know, you believe everything that Stoney says, he's got you, you know, hook, line and sinker. And I just think, fuck you, man. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like I, I'm not naive. I've done, I've done my homework, and and I've met so many people in positions of of respect. You know, I never, I don't think I ever had a moment where I was like, oh, this this isn't real. You know, yada yada. Because initially, after the first episode, uh, while I was like listening to the second one, I googled his name, and I was you like, cheater. Oh, what a I cheater. Know. I know, I was but I, to do that. It, it showed up, you know, like I seen a mug shot and everything. And I was like, holy shit, this is real. So I didn't read ahead. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> too far into it, you know, um, but then I, I followed the in the red clay 
Instagram and they have actual photos and there's a picture with him, man, or there's a picture of uh, Billy Sunday that sticks with me and it's him holding the Tommy gun. Yeah. And that's like, to me, like that's, that's the perfect photo to just like encompass this whole thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like the epitome of, you know, his, his vibe. Um, and I think my favorite picture, which you can find, you know, on the website, and I think I posted a bunch on the Instagram, but it's, uh, we call it the look and, and that's what Stoney calls it, you know, and there's a picture where he's in handcuffs and he's being ex- uh, escorted by two cops and he's just kind of glancing out of the side of his eye at the camera. And, you know, you just, it's the most badass picture. Like, like that is a dude who you would not want to meet in a dark alley. Yeah. I, I feel like, uh, I feel like even the reputation probably doesn't hold up to like what it truly was back then. You know what I mean? Like, I'm it's, sure. It's probably, yeah. It was probably fucking terrifying. Yeah. There's a reason that people 50 years later say, I'm not going to talk about that. It's, you know, and I, there was a very sweet older man. He's like, I think he's 93 or 990. Uh, and, you know, I just asked him, he knew all those guys. He owns a gas station that he's had since like the fifties, same spot, still runs it. Still, 90 years old. I'm interviewing him. This guy jumps up. He's still got the little thing that you drive over and it goes ding, ding. And he jumps <laughs> up in the middle of the interview and runs out and pumps the gas. I mean, it's just like, that's winder. That's this area. That's these people. It's just, it's amazing that, that part of America is still alive in places like that. Um, but you know, even him, he was like, he, he made sure to not say anything bad about them. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's do you still guys alive. Have, do you guys have any evidence that the Georgia Dixie mafia is still a, a living, breathing thing or. No, it's dead. It's dead. Yeah. Um, you know, that, at least that faction for sure the original um you know it it pretty much died when billy burt went to jail um but for the last time went to prison and billy wayne davis um i th- i think all the rest of the guys you know they harold chancy uh was kind of in and out of jail um i think in the 80s he started selling pot uh, large quantities and importing pot uh, you know by the pound and uh, cocaine in the 80s at some point um you know but i'm sure they all had some dealings but as far as an organized you know the dixie mafia no billy wayne davis is the like the last living member of the the original georgia dixie mafia yeah he is and, and honestly he was not really in the dixie mafia um the other guys all the guys didn't like him uh, which you know you can see you can see (laughs) why it turns out why not um but they never accepted him um billy kind of always just said hey i don't care if you like him or not like i got my thing working with him i'm making a ton of money it's on the other side of town don't worry about it you know he's we'll do our thing and then i'll go do my thing with him um but he's the last living guy yeah and um you know, I've I've been trying to talk to him in prison, and you know he's still a protected, basically, I guess a prote- a protected witness uh, all this time later. Now, has anything changed in that case, or has he said anything one way or another? You know, in the last couple episodes, you hear some audio recording that we got of him. Um, you know, we had. Sheriff Robinson, uh, who's a retired Barrow County Sheriff, and uh, Sheriff Chapman, who's the, the current Walton County, which is a neighboring county. Uh, he's the sheriff there. Um, those guys went and interviewed him. And, uh, you know, he, he really denied everything. Denied, uh, you know, even knowing anything about some of these murders. That, you know, it's like, dude, that's, that's why you're in jail. That's part of the reason why you spent 50 years in prison. So... You know, some sometimes maybe people are going to take things to their grave. Uh, I'm going to keep trying. I want to talk to him. I want to get in and meet with him. Um, That'd but, be badass a, uh, to have just a one one full episode of just a, a Sean Kipe interview with with Billy Wayne Davis. I I would love I would love nothing more. Um, I just want to pick his brain. I mean, listen, it's 
he did a lot of bad things and it's you know you don't want to put the guy on a pedestal but it's it's just like it's a part of history it's like why people wanted to go interview charles manson or ted bundy you know you want to pick the brain of these kind of people because it's it's so far from the reality of our everyday life do you think if you were to interview him you would have some sort of uh like biased impartiality towards him because of your relationship with stoney you know not really man i wasn't there you know i'm sure we're hearing kind of one side of the story and and that really is billy burt's side of the story because everything related to uh, Billy Wayne Davis has come from things that letters that Billy Burt wrote to to Stoney or conversations that he had with him. Um, and honestly, I think he was pretty fair. He forgave him for for flipping on him. He understood why. I mean, he light, locked the guy's, you know, handcuffed the guy's wife to a to a metal pipe, you know, in a prison. Um, that's true. And so, you know, how many people could watch their wife going through that uh, without cracking? You know. Yeah. Uh, so he yeah. didn't blame him. I, I don't, you know, I wasn't there, man. I, I just kind of want to hear his side of it. I think there's the side of the story, that side, and somewhere in the middle is, is the truth, you know. There was a, there was a moment during the, I, I'm not sure if it was the very last episode or the episode before, uh, where Billy Sunday is talking to uh, Stony Son. And yeah. he, he's already developed uh, Parkinson's in his, in his uh, older age. And, and he was talking about killing a man with Parkinson's. Yeah. And he said that everything you do on this earth kind of comes back tenfold to you. And I just, something about that, man, it, it struck a fucking chord in me. I immediately, it, it blew my mind, man. And I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is in the, in the fuck, man. In the, uh, I guess when it, when it comes when it comes to Billy Wayne Davis, you know what what you do on this earth does come back tenfold. I guess what I'm trying to what I'm trying to get at, it it obviously came very true with Billy Sunday Burt. If you if you're a religious man or if you're a spiritual you know spiritual person, um, then you know that would make sense as to why you know Billy developed Parkinson's uh, in his older age, and you have to kind of wonder, you know, if, if Billy Wayne Davis being a protected witness, which is not something that in prison kind of goes over very well with the other inmates, you, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. so you kind of almost have to wonder if maybe that is his kind of karma, you know, that's his, his well, sowed. Yeah. Look, man, I mean, Stoney said that. Um, and I think it's that, that piece of interview audio is actually in the, um, one of the last episodes, but he was really sincere when he said, you know, I, if Billy Wayne Davis got out of jail tomorrow, out of prison tomorrow, I keep saying jail, like he's in a, like a drunk tank downtown. Yeah, you know? I think I've said it a couple times now. <laughs> um, you know, if he got out of prison tomorrow, he said, you know, I, I would be happy for him. He said, you know what, that guy has, has, he has more than paid his price. Um, when the two officers went to interview him, they took along one of uh, Stoney's you know, the books that he wrote. Um, and in that book is a letter of how, you know, of Billy Burt telling the story of why Bill, why Billy Wayne Davis flipped on him. And he wanted him to read that. And he also wanted him to read in there a letter from Billy Burt that said, look, I forgive Davis. I, I, I understand why I did that. And Stoney said, you know what, if my father can forgive him, I, I forgive him. You know, he said what he's lived through for the last 47 years, almost 48 years, um, not having any family, having nothing, uh, looking over your shoulder. Because like you said, you being, a, you know, you flipped on on a pretty, pretty famous gangster in this area, at least. Um, and uh, that doesn't go over well. So, you know, he didn't even want to accept the books because he was afraid that it was going to get him hurt. That's that's a reality. Forty seven years of looking over your shoulder, man. I can't imagine. It's yeah, that's that's insane. It's worse than just I think going into the the electric chair uh, or the gas chamber and, and getting it over with. Now I meant to Google this before we actually started uh, started this podcast, but Georgia doesn't have the death penalty anymore, do they? As far as I know, they do. Yeah. Oh, do they? Yeah, um, I think Jackson State Prison. Okay. Is is where they do it? Yeah. 
Okay. That's yeah. That's I was un, I was unaware. I know I know a lot of places. I guess don't carry the the death penalty. Um, so that's why I was kind of curious. Yeah, you know, he didn't get the death penalty. He got life in prison um, uh, for murdering a different guy, which was you know based partly on the testimony of billy burt you know so i guess he did get his revenge uh if you want to call it that but yeah he didn't get the death penalty man what a what a phenomenal fucking story man i mean i just i can't get over it and you know i i keep gushing about it man because truly like this is it's a piece of history man and that's what i think so cool about this about this story you know because i live in florida uh, and I grew up in the Appalachian Mountains, and in yeah. you know Georgia being um, kind of like an Appalachian state, or part of Georgia being uh, an Appalachian state, a lot of the Appalachian history gets kind of forgotten, man, or, or people don't bring it up enough. And that's I think that's why I resonate so hardcore with this, is because it it truly is kind of bringing our history out. And I know um, I had heard. I had heard something of the Georgia Dixie Mafia, but I'd never really truly looked into it. And I'm I'm a fucking history nerd, dude. Uh, so I can't imagine all the other people that truly didn't know that this, I guess, piece of history existed. You know, that's what makes it so cool. It's like, I mean, it, it, it's it's a tragedy because a lot of people lost their lives. But what's so cool is that this is finally coming to light. Well, yeah. I mean, listen, you know, I always said from the beginning of this, it's, it's an, I don't know if, saying I've, I've been infatuated with it is, is the right word, but, but maybe because what is so fascinating to me about this whole story is that at no other time in history, uh, before or after could this have happened. It was only, it only could have taken place in that, you know, mid sixties to mid seventies when, you know, the robbers had the fast enough cars and the, and a little bit of, you know, they had the balls to do this stuff out in the open and there weren't cameras everywhere and there weren't GPS trackers everywhere and, you know, infrared cameras at night. I mean, they just didn't have the police didn't have the the capability and the technology yet. Um, you know, it just it just couldn't have happened at any other time. So it is important to to showcase that like era of, you know, it's like the Wild West, man. I mean, it's 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 amazing because there's no time before or since that, that it could have happened, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and man, just to kind of piggyback on what you said, like it's a, it's an entirely different way of life now to the point where if people didn't know it was factual, like they almost wouldn't believe it. Like this is like movie, like this is like major Hollywood movie kind of shit, but like this was real life for a lot of people. And even, you know, you kind of said, yeah, yeah. You've, <laughs> You've kind of said it a couple times now, man. Like the people in Winder are very particular about what they say because this was a fucking way of life for them. Well, yeah. And it's also, you know, there's a lot of people that, um, you know, you kind of have to be careful what you say because they, they still live there. Their families live there. You know, there are people, I've had people write to me um, saying, oh my God, you know, that, that well where they found the woman's body that was on our property that was on our farm we you know we never knew the name of the woman holy and shit. now they i mean it's just i've had so many you know so it's like these people still live there there are people that have lived in that that county since the late 1700s i've had a couple contact me that they're families you know so if you go out and you say the wrong thing it's like you're going to be pissing off somebody else's family who's lived there for a hundred years um you know, nobody wants that. No, outside of Stony, did anybody else's family like kind of hit you up and and give you uh, like photo uh, proof or like they they kind of help you put this story together? Ah, uh, no. I mean, honestly, <laughs> Stony has so lot. much stuff, dude. He's got he's just got boxes and cases and cases of stuff, and you know, he kept everything. He was he was enamored with his dad. Um. And he um, he kept everything, so he had tons of newspapers and photos and videos, and um, you know, and and the other stuff I, I researched online. I went through you know newspaper sites and pulled up different things that maybe Stoney didn't have, and verified other things. And 
old news, archival news, um, audio and footage, you know, video. Um, but that's, that's really how we did it. There wasn't really anybody else that was going to have this stuff like, like Stoney did. You said a moment ago, uh, God willing for a Hollywood movie. Hey man, if you guys need an extra to just get shot, you know, I'm your guy. Yeah. You know, (laughs) no, man, I, uh, I just I I want to wish you guys the best of luck in the future, man. It it's a fucking phenomenal story for anybody listening. Once again, it's it's called In the Red Clay. It's on Apple, Spotify. Go check it out. Uh, Sean, one last question for you, man. Is there anything you want to leave listeners with? Uh, it can be In the Red Clay related. It can be advice. What do you What do you want to leave the people listening to this with? No, I just I think if you if you like the story, um, share it. You know what I mean? It helps us a lot. Leave leave uh, reviews on Apple and rate it. You know, uh, really makes a big difference to us. I'm sure you know that. Um, it, people like seeing that five star rating when they go to decide what podcast they're going to listen to. Um, so, so it really helps us. Uh, helps us get the story out. And uh, if you like in the red clay, you know, keep stay tuned. Um, we probably will have some updates hopefully coming. We're still pursuing a lot of things, you know, that we kind of left hanging at the end of the season, uh, or at the end of the series, I should say. Um, and uh, if you like, you know, if you like the show, check out the other stuff Imperative Entertainment has. Uh, the other, there's nine other podcasts out right now, and uh, there's some really phenomenal stuff. So, absolutely, and lots more, and lots more coming too. Uh, guys, once again, uh, it is in the red clay. Absolutely phenomenal. I can't gush enough about it. This is one of the few episodes that you guys are ever going to hear me fucking fan, <laughs> fangirl out about because <laughs> dude, this, this was, this was one of my episodes. Like I, when I was doing my scheduling, I was like, I have to fucking make time for this episode. Uh, Sean did a phenomenal job. Everybody imperative media also has boomtown, which, uh, you know, I had a job in the oil and gas industry. So I thought that this oh. was the coolest fucking podcast ever. Uh, but there's Boomtown, there's Gangster House, there's the Baron of Botox. Everybody go check out everything else Imperative has going on. Once again, go check out our sponsor, Phone Soap. Use the code TAKEDOWN at checkout for 20% off of your order. Uh, also, get a new jiu-jitsu gi at futurekimonos.com. Go to Game Up Nutrition for all your CBD. Hey, you can get your fucking dog CBD. Chill that little dude out during the day. And if you have any any problems with your computer, go to quicksesh.io. Uh, leave us questions and fan calls and, you know, all that good jazz at 502-694-0749. Once again, Sean, dude, I appreciate the shit out of this, man. Yeah, man. Likewise, dude. Thanks for spreading the word, having me on. Um, really appreciate it, dude. Yes, sir.